Welcome to the Gym Session, brought to you by Sportsmate Mobile and Footy Live. It's time to chat all things football with your host, Jimmy Sabo. Hello and welcome to the Gym Session. My name is Jimmy Zabo and I'm here thanks to Sportsmate Mobile, TLA and the Footy Live app. I tell you this every week, but I don't want anyone to miss out. Download the Footy Live app today. I promise you it'll give you more content to abuse me about. It's brilliant. I'll do a bit of writing on there, but if you don't want to read my stuff, there's other brilliant writers who give you their opinion and the news. Uh, you'll find all the best stats, score, layouts, highlights, videos, podcasts right there at your fingertips. We listen to the fans. We're for the fans. And in fact, if you hashtag the gym session in any of your tweets or email me at james.sabo at sportsmatemobile.com, I'll read them out right here on the podcast. And a few of you have, which we will discuss later in the show. It is a huge show today after a huge, huge weekend of footy. And I reckon there was a theme. There was a few themes, but one theme was high marks. Shy Bolton took an extremely high mark of the year. Brody Majacek got up high to grab a specky mark. And you probably had to be high to enjoy the kick mark game between the Hawks and Eagles. Uh, West Coast fans would have enjoyed that one uh, even after the goalless opening term. Uh, it was a gutsy performance and their first win on the road. And uh, speaking of West Coast fans, Daniel Garb is going to join us today on the podcast as a very special guest. And, and Garby is one of my favourite journalists and sports reporters of all time. Spent many nights watching world football to the sound of his voice. Um, but that was only when he had time off work, obviously. Now, I wish um, we, we all know Garby spent over nine years covering the EPL, World Cup, soccer camps, crickets, and, uh, and a heap more on Fox Sports. And we're now lucky enough to hear him commentating the footy. Uh, he called his first game of AFL on ABC Radio on the weekend and absolutely killed it. So I can't wait to chat to him about that and uh, his career and his thoughts on footy also. Nick and Gordo will stop by to bring you the Monday review panel on a Wednesday. Again, Wednesday, we apologise. Another day. It's usually on the Tuesday. I'm sure next week we'll get back to the Tuesday. And we'll answer some of your questions as well. Uh, before we speak to Garby, though, let's find out what happened in round eight with our wonderful round recap. Yes, Jimmy! Dimmer and Chris Scott reversed roles on Friday night as Tigers looked extinct after half time. Scott hunted Richmond with his tomahawk while Gary was rolling through defenders like they were made of water. Blitzarv was struck by a lightning Bolton from up high in the sky, but it wasn't enough to spark Richmond into life. The three-headed cat forward line looks the most dangerous creature in the comp. Well, surely it's close. Even Brad kicked the goal in the 63-point win. The Suns were out on Saturday, but were a little bit muggy. Despite that, they still couldn't rob St Kilda of a fourth-quarter comeback. For Ratton to construct the win, he needed some steel, wood and a butler but he prayed to all his saints at three-quarter time to resurrect them from the 15-point deficit. Marshall and Ryder proved they're the perfect pair, which was a fact Gold Coast found hard to David Swallow. It took Miller told his tale with another 30-plus possessions, but the only thing that counted was the four points. St Kilda, rejoice. He only had nine disposals, but we want to see him out there again. Saints by two goals. The Dons nearly completed a giant upset, but the ump didn't pay a hooker. Fans thought it was a mark and so did the players. Well, at least in hindsight. He was told to get nicked but had 29 disposals in an impressive display. Finn Layson just needed a little bit of elbow grease to work his way to three goals in a suspension, while Posh Kelly was too classy for the Essendon midfielders. Lucky Callan didn't go to the casualty ward after pushing his body to 23 touches, but Jake did, pulling his hamstringer in the two-point loss. It took a matchup against the winless shin boners for the Magpies to take flight. Darcy showed more up forward and Jordan got the going. But the side probably didn't do enough to show X Stevenson that moving on after being dumped wasn't such a bad thing. 
Maynard was crisp, but they couldn't deck the hall. He had 37 touches in the Roos, 18-point loss. Another defeat. Wow. These men are due for a win. The Demons were undefeated after Sydney had no buddy to lean on. Franklin was out there, but moved like a turtle. James did his team no harm to 31 possessions, while Brown is the new black. And Old MacDonald had a forward line farm to work in, full of sheep following their good winning leader. Who kicked the goal and had 28 disposals? Oh, it's Petrarca. Petrarca. Melbourne by 9 points. The showdown made the Crows slow down as Port had too much power. One of the backmen should have won the medal for the best on ground, but that would have rocked the boat. He had 28 possessions in the win, while Scott Lice set upon his opponent with intent. How could you be so heartless? The 49-point victory made sure both fans and players ended up in bars. The boys donned their famous shirts for the songs, while supporters would have been celebrating with a few glasses of port, maybe even wines. Doctors can start prescribing Hawthorne games instead of sleeping tablets after Sunday's siesta on Mother's Day. It was a goalless first quarter and nearly a pointless game for the Hawks. Andrew made no gaffes, Darling stole the hearts of many, and who would step up to kick four goals in a surprise performance? Ah, Chief. Simpson protected his men with a shepherd who tended his sheed, while the sheer dominance of West Coast turned Hawthorne's legs to Kelly. Hawks' backline got a real workout, but was still feeling frosty, even with a warm Hardigan. Clarko blamed his depth, which is fair because his players look out of theirs. Eagles by seven goals. Sunday Blues for every supporter who watched their team come crashing down like a carl ton of bricks. They had a five-goal lead in the third quarter, but let the dogs off the leash in the fourth. Caleb Hull met the ball with pace at every contest. Jordan was pretty sweet, and the Blues let Bond have as much as you want. Harry was a wizard. Betts was all in. Cripps needs to check his bloods, though. He's not fighting for the gang. Our very sad. Bulldogs by 16 points. Again, the McCluggage was too heavy for Frio to take on board. Rich paid his dues. Lyons was like the team mascot, and Cameron Cam kick. Monday had a good Sunday, but Fife's accuracy was an ace. The Lions are starting to restore their pride and moving slowly towards the Premiership Cup prey. They just need to McStain form. He was quiet. Brisbane by 24 points. Okay, today's guest is one of the most popular, gifted, and knowledgeable sports reporters and journalists in the country. He became a household name for soccer fans around Australia as an EPL and European football correspondent and entertained us all with his precise and insightful reporting. He's covered five Premier League seasons, three FIFA World Cups, two Ashes Tours, two British Opens, and the 2014 Commonwealth Games. AFL fans are now lucky enough to be blessed by his thoughts and descriptions on Aussie rules after calling his first game for the ABC at the weekend. This man is loved by those who know him well, admired by many, and respected by all. It's my great privilege to welcome one of the sharpest men we've ever heard in front of the mic to the gym session. It's Mr. Daniel Garb. Garvey, how are you? I'm really good after that, James. Thank you. That's one of the nicest things anyone's ever said about me. That includes my mother. So <laughs> thank you very much. Thank oh, you very much. Very nice intro, mate. Uh, no problem, mate. You deserve it. Uh, apologies for calling it soccer as well. I know that's like a swear word to you and to me sometimes uh, as well. Doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me that much, mate. We get too caught up in little things sometimes. We, I'm not that bothered. Ah, uh, that's right. We had to. We had to make it clear because <laughs> most of uh, our listeners are AFL fans. But uh, secondly, congrats <laughs> on the call on on Saturday, mate. You're doing everything at the moment: A League, AFL, podcasting, uh, getting frustrated <laughs> by Liverpool, following the Eagles. What's What's life like for you, mate, these days? Yeah, I'm loving it. I love being involved in a number of sports. I know a lot of people uh, thought of me for a while as purely a, a soccer slash football man, but I've always been someone who's been into 
multiple sports. Growing up in Perth, I was Aussie rules obsessed along with, with soccer. I followed both sports religiously from a young age. It's not as if I've just come into Aussie rules now. I've yeah. grown up with it like everyone else has. And growing up in Perth, you can't help but uh, yeah, be swept up by Aussie rules mania. So both those sports, those sports ran side by side for me growing up. And then obviously a massive cricket fan as well. I'm a golf nut now too, so I follow that closely. And I've liked many other sports along the journey as well and been lucky enough to cover them all closely. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, it's good to be involved in numerous sports at the moment. The A-League as well, covering that for uh, for the papers and uh, and the, the AFL along with some other things. So, yeah, it's a good life as it stands right now after leaving Fox about a year ago. Hey, before I ask about your reporting, um, you were born in South Africa. Was, was it your father who he came – you came over, obviously, to, to Perth. Was it from him you got your passion for sport? Oh, no doubt, yeah. My dad's a sportsman like I am, and uh, he played it religiously and uh, followed it very closely, you know, his whole life too. So, yeah, like many kids, you follow your, your father's passion, and I had no choice but to be exposed to sport, not just my father, but my grandfather as well. And, and so from a very young age, I think it was pretty obvious, like so many others, that I was sport-obsessed, and I had an ability to consume information about sport from a young age and just get wrapped up in it and want to discuss it probably above my years, you know, from a from a child. So, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. And my dad, being South African, was a big rugby union fan. But then moving to Australia, he got caught up in Aussie rules pretty quickly as well and coached my soccer teams and always taught soccer with me too. So, you know, all of those things, like hundreds of thousands of kids have experienced uh, in this country, um, yeah, they came from, came from my dad. Mm. Being a sports fan in Australia, we obviously have to wake up at all times of, of the night. How much do you actually sleep? Because you've got European soccer, <laughs> AFL, A-League. You must be up all hours of the night and day. How many hours of sleep do you get a week? Yeah, well, when Liverpool's on or when there's a big golf tournament on, like the golf majors, yeah, not much. Um, I've been known to get up at 3, 4, 5 a.m. and then try and get another couple hours of sleep and then wake up and go about my day or just get up at 5 a.m. and bust through it like so many other people do. Yep, I'll be tired today, but, you know, it's all worth it to watch my team win a game or watch the end of a, of a golf major or something like that. So it's just what we do. And when we're passionate about something, it doesn't feel like it's too much of a chore waking up early because we're excited. Sometimes you can't even get to sleep or wake up multiple times in the middle of the night because you're hoping that a <laughs> kickoff coming around or or something like that. So exactly. yeah, it's been like that. It's been like that for so many of us for so long, hasn't it? Yeah, it has, and I share the passion as well as you. Hey, I'm interested in your in your prep because for both sports, you're so precise. Your knowledge is ridiculous. How good it is. Um, I looked at your your sheet. I think you took a picture on Twitter. Um, for your commentary, mm. and I saw your names of players, your dot points next to them. I'm really curious about different commentators how they prep for games. What's your method? Yeah, I mean, look, I've only done one AFL game. I have called a number of A-League games in the yeah. past on, on radio. But, yeah, I guess I've just learned from people who have been very experienced and very successful. That's all it was. I mean, you know, I was lucky enough to do uh, WAPA in Perth, which is the WA Academy of Performing Arts, where a number of media professionals have come through. And I remember listening to a lecture from Glenn Mitchell, the famous ABC commentator who came in to speak to us. And, and he brought in his sheet of preparation for a game. And he showed us, notes that he takes down and you know three or four notes on every player and he says you might only use 20% of them but that 20% is enough to get you through a game and, yeah. and I you know, prepared the same way for my first game on the weekend and then I found exactly that you know I probably only used 20% of the stuff that I took down but it feels so good when you do use it 
and it's so important because it can get you through a, a quiet patch in the game or it can add a bit of information on a, on a big moment in the game when someone takes a big mark or something like that or has a shot on goal and you've got that extra bit of knowledge. It just makes you feel a lot more confident in the call and, and obviously adds to the call, which is the most important thing. So, yeah, I spoke to a couple of people who have called um, regularly and just asked them what they do and they shared that information with me. So I prepared accordingly and... Uh, it worked out all right. Yeah, it worked out perfectly. You absolutely killed it, mate. Is the next one coming up? Uh, when's your next game? Yeah, so I'm doing Sydney and Collingwood this Saturday yep. at the SCG, and it uh, looks like I'll be doing a number of uh, New South Wales based games for ABC throughout the season. Mm-hmm. So pretty excited by that. Yeah, perfect. I'll ask you about the footy in a bit. Firstly, you were always a, a keen reader of newspapers as a kid. You followed the media very closely. Was it always a commentator or reporter? journalist is that what you always wanted to do growing up I think I always wanted to be involved in sport yeah one way or another I was completely sport obsessed from a young age um, just you know completely immersed in everything that came with it and, and I think I realized earlier that I was obsessed with the media side of it you know we all love playing sport I still do but you know I was never going to be good enough or maybe I just was so into the media side of it that I never thought about being good enough um, because I, I just loved it. I, I used to go to bed early on a Friday night because I couldn't wait for the paper to come on a Saturday morning. <laughs> I could look through all the previews of the of the games and the night before. I was just a nerd like that. And, yeah. you know, I got swept up in all those sorts of things. And I would sit in class and do my, you know, best ever West Coast team and best ever Perth Glory team and best ever Socceroos team and Liverpool team, like, you know, in science class in year nine. So, <laughs> you know, it probably says a lot about the way my, uh, my school marks went in the end. But, that's just all I wanted to think about with, yeah. with sport and those sorts of things. And, um, yeah, I, I didn't know that I would be media 100% when I finished school. I knew it would be the sporting industry. But once I had a chance to experience sports media, I'd never look back. I loved it. And to me, it never felt like work. And it still doesn't. You know, it feels like fun. And I work on the weekends. People go, oh, you have to work on the weekends. I'm like, I'd be watching it anyway. Yeah. Now I get paid to watch it. Like, it's way better. <laughs> and I get the odd day off during the week to go and play golf and relax. So, um, yeah, to me, perfect case scenario. So very, very fortunate. That is it's a good job, mate. And you had one of the best jobs in the world. Well, it seemed like the best job in the world when you when you <laughs> moved overseas. So it was an interesting journey. You grew up in Perth and I think you had some work for Channel 9, moved to Melbourne, worked at SEN. How did you end mm. up overseas? Yeah, so that job, yeah, pretty much was the best job in the world. Certainly <laughs> felt like it, that's for sure, covering you know, the Premier League and, and European sports for Fox Sports for five years and getting to travel to so many incredible places, which I'll never go to again. Um, never mind the COVID influence. I just will never go to some of these places again. They're just so random, but so brilliant as part of Socceroos tours and World Cups and, and so on. So, yeah, I was working at SEN and, and, and at Channel 9 at the same time. I was a news producer at Channel 9, but working at SEN as their football correspondent and covering the A-League and the Socceroos for them. And a position came up at, at Fox, the guy who was doing it before me for a little bit, Dave Davudovic, is a prominent football journalist. Um, he was leaving, so I got wind of that, put my name forward, and they basically said to me, yeah, you can go and have a crack. So it was a freelance position initially, um, but I thought, what an opportunity. Hadn't done much TV on screen before, but knew enough about how TV worked behind the scenes from my time at nine, and, and thought, I've just got to give it a crack and take the punt. If I don't do it now, well, I will get it for the rest of my life. So... Quit my job at Channel 9, uh, said I'm going over. Thought, yeah, if I stuff this up royally, I might only get one Premier League game or two Premier League games. I could be done, but I've got to give it a go. And I did, and 
was lucky enough that it lasted five years. So it was uh, the best decision I've ever made. Yeah, awesome. I mean, uh, you you covered so much. You also did the Ashes and, and golf as well over there. But if you had mm-hmm. to pick one moment, I know there's so many, Garby, but oh, let's say three <laughs> moments, the top three uh, of your of your career overseas. Oh, I mean, that's, yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, the one that, the two that stick out in the memory most, uh, my first season there when Aguero scored that goal, uh, to win Manchester City the title. That was my first Premier League season and I was lucky enough to be in the ground that day. You know, it's not so much a work point of view, but the work was obviously great covering that. But mm. just as a fan, being able to be there for that was incredible. Uh, that was just an unbelievable moment. From a work point of view, um, Leicester winning the league, covering that, because yeah. that was a long, drawn-out process. So the Man City moment was you know, the last month of the season and then that game. Leicester went on for like four to six months of this constant progression of a story and the momentum that built around it and the unfathomable nature of it in a sporting sense, like the greatest on-field sporting achievement ever, arguably. Um, being there for that all the way through and covering it intimately, that was remarkable. So really love that. Um, you know, outside of that, it's hard to pick. There's a number you can throw up. Just going to big Liverpool games and places like Manchester United and the Emirates and the Etihad every time was always a thrill. It never got old. It never got old from season one to season five. I love my golf. So the British Opens were really enjoyable events to cover. I'd probably say the Ashes, though. Ashes series are, are enormous, and I've been lucky enough to cover two of them in my time over there. And then a Cricket World Cup as well. Um, so they were, they were up there. And, and the, you know what? The World Cup. The covering Australia in a World Cup football, that can't be beat. Yeah. Um, that is just something totally remarkable in terms of the energy around your nation. And they're covering the Socceroos closely in those tournaments is something very special. So, yeah, I'd probably say the Aguero goal, Leicester, and then you know, covering Australia at a World Cup. But the Ashes Tour is right up there as well. They were, they were very big. Mm. Well, you're kicking goals now and you're, and you're doing everything brilliantly. But obviously last year, uh, your journey at Fox Sports came to an end. How difficult mm. was that at the time? We'll be back after a quick break. Um, yeah, look, for me, it wasn't as difficult as it may sound, only because I've been at Fox for nine years. Mm. I loved my time there. I'm hugely grateful to them for the opportunities they gave me. But, you know, I was looking at maybe some other options at the time, to be honest. Um, you know, things had started to maybe plateau for me there, and it felt like I needed a new challenge and to do something else. So when the call came, yeah, look, it's a shock. You don't expect it to happen. You know why it's happening. It's cost-cutting. It happens everywhere. There were lots of good people that were told their time was up because they had to cut their salaries. You accept it in that regard. It's a bit of a shock to your system and um, a loss of identity in a way because I was Daniel Garb Fox Sports for almost 10 years. You're like, well, what am I now? You know, what, what am I known as? That sort of thing plays in your mind. Yes. But outside of that, it was okay. I mean, you get a payout. So, you know, financially you're okay for a bit and, 
And then you've got lots of opportunities. And I just after getting over it for a month and having some downtime and relaxing, and you know, it's all right. Well, what's out there? Let's see, let's put yourself out there again and, and see what you can experience. You weren't really enjoying things at Fox, so this can turn into a positive. Um, and it has done. It takes a bit of time, but a year on, it has done, and, and that's great. But I've no bitterness towards Fox at all. They were really good to me. Uh, gave me. The, the, you know the best experiences imaginable for a long period of time. So, yeah, it's uh, it's all worked out well in the end. It has, and now we can hear you uh, commentating AFL as well as uh, as well as world football. Who's influenced you the most in terms of an AFL commentator? Is there someone who's inspired you, or you like the way that they commentate? I know you're your own person, but who mm-hmm. have you taken things from? Yeah, it's probably a bit early nowadays to try and base myself on someone I'm just trying to get it right first to make sure I can be up to the standard because I haven't done it much and, and it's a very difficult craft to try and master so at the moment I think I'm just trying to get to grips with what you need to do to call a game well and getting used to those sorts of things but you know growing up I loved Dennis Cometti especially mm. being a first person yeah. now no one's going to try and copy the way Dennis Cometti commentates because you can't he's probably the best ever and his idiosyncrasies that he had in his call and his these little witty one-liners, you can't copy that because then you're a fraud, right? You know, that's, that's Dennis. But I just loved his style growing up. And if you can put a little bit of commentary in, in the call from time to time, fantastic. Like Dennis did, it made such a big difference, but you can't copy the way that he did it. Uh, but growing up, he was the best. I love Anthony Hudson. I think he's brilliant. Um, I think he's the best caller of the last 10 years, without a doubt. He doesn't try and be a funny man or anything like that. He just nails big moments time and time again and calls the game clearly. So I've always really enjoyed the way that he goes about it. Um, Adam Papalier, a youngster in WA, mm. is someone that I went yep. to uni with and I love listening to him call. Adam and I were in Wapa together and I've always been really impressed by his career and the way he's gone about it. And I love listening to him commentate. I like commentating in that way. I don't think the fans necessarily want to be... I think the entertainment aspect of commentary is overplayed. I think the entertainment is the game. And along with that, you just want a clean soundtrack that punctuates the game. And I think sometimes some commentators go too far and try to make the commentary the entertainment. And I don't think it necessarily needs to be that way. And I like the way that someone like Adam Papalier and Hutto Core, where the game is the entertainment, they just add to that rather than the other way around. And that, to me, is something that I think all commentators should do. And if I can do that, then that would be great. But we'll wait and see if I can. I'm sure you can, mate, and I'm, I'm backing you. I love the way you call the game. What does the future hold uh, for Daniel Garb? I know it looks like on the outside everything you've wanted to achieve, you've done. So what's the next goal? What do you what do you want to achieve in your career? Yeah, it's not always that easy. I'm sure he's been a lot of hard work behind the scenes. And growing up in Perth before I got my opportunities there, I did a lot of work for nothing on community radio stations and on websites that very few people read just trying to get into the industry. Lots and lots of work, but it never felt like work. I always really enjoyed it. So, yeah, there's been some ups and downs, but, you know, a lot of hard graft behind the scenes to make, you know, my dreams come true like so many other people have in all their industries as well, of course. I'm not unique in that sense. And the future, look, I'm just really enjoying what I'm doing now with the ABC, commentating games, working in their sports department, hosting their podcasts, uh, covering games for the newspapers, Right, right now, I'm really enjoying that stuff and I'm not going to look too far ahead. I've got a great opportunity to commentate some games now and getting better at a very difficult craft is something I'm, you know, that's the, the immediate focus for me. We'll see what happens after that if I can uh, master it. 
Oh, good answer, mate. Uh, before I ask you uh, about some current footy uh, things, is there one piece of advice you could give to some aspiring sports media professionals? Is there a bit of advice that you received that really kind of changed your, your look on the professional world? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of little bits of advice. Calling on them all now is, is, is a difficult thing mm. to do, but, you know, it's the odd cliche, but it's just it's just working hard. You know, if you love it, then you're willing to work hard at it and constantly put yourself out there. And I think it's you know, the important thing for young people coming through is when you get that opportunity to do work experience. Um, and I guess that's something I learned or, or did well when I came through is, you know, when I did work experience, I made myself heard enough, but not too much. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you get that opportunity, it may just be as an, as an intern or helping someone out, whatever it is, but probably no money. You know, you've got to, you got to have the confidence to prove to them that you you know what you're doing and you love it. Um, don't just go to a, a newsroom or whatever and, and sit in the background and, and take notes for people and think that's enough. No, be assertive. Say, look, I'd like to write a script. Um, let me voice this. Can you give me some feedback? You know, really put yourself out there a little bit. Not too much. Don't annoy people. That's important. But get that balance right. And then the con- you'll show people then that you have confidence that you deserve a bigger chance. Um, and then when it comes to to working hard, the reason why you work hard for nothing behind the scenes is to actually develop your own confidence. So, you know, if, when it came to, for example, putting myself forward at Fox, I had the confidence to do that because I knew I'd done the hard work. I knew I'd put in enough time and years for not much reward behind the scenes at different radio stations over about a five-year period that I was like, you know what, I'm ready to take this opportunity now. Two or three years before, I might not have been. In fact, I wouldn't have been. And so I wouldn't have made that call. But you make it and you, you apply for something because you've got the confidence, because you know you've put in the hard work. So it's not just about gaining experience and skills. It's about gaining confidence. So when that opportunity comes for a position that might be open or to call someone considering a lead you might have for something that's available, you've got that confidence to do it because you've done the hard work. And I guess that's some advice that I can give that managed to work well for me over the journey i love that garby absolutely brilliant mate uh and speaking of hard work it took a bit of hard work to get the name of this segment now you probably won't like it but we'll, we'll give it a go all right so um uh, i gotta do a very quick segment with you uh we need some yep. we all need some extra energy for our weekly gym session so let's make time <laughs> for a healthy amount of garb loading <laughs> I do plenty of that, I assure you. Far too much. Good. All right. I'm going to ask you some wholesome questions, okay? And uh, you can give me some yep. answers full of uh, carbohydrates that'll help us through another footy week. <laughs> Strong opinions, Garb. Very okay? good. Here we go. Very good. Yeah, I'm not sure of those. All right. Should Willie Rioli play another game for the Eagles? Possibly. Yeah. Look, he's stuffed up enormously. He's lost a lot of trust and faith from the club. I have no sympathy for him outside of what seems like an addiction to marijuana. I have sympathy for him there, but he's been given a massive chance by the club and he stuffed it up. Doesn't mean his career is necessarily over because if he doesn't have three strikes via the AFL's illicit drugs policy, he could technically still play. Now, the Eagles, I don't think, will let him play this season, as was the original plan. But if he gets himself on the straight and narrow and comes back for the start of preseason and he's ready to go, well, there's a chance it can happen. Obviously, those chances dwindled because of what's occurred in Darwin, but I wouldn't fully put a line through him yet. I'd say it's a, a 50-50 situation now. Love it. Very strong. Good. Uh, is Hawthorne the furthest team away from a premiership? Uh, no, I'd say North Melbourne is, but they're second. Yeah. I mean, I watched them against the Eagles last week and they were horrid. Mm. 
So they're the second worst team in the league after North. North, are, yeah, they may have more youngsters coming through, but there isn't too much there that excites you. The Hawthorne aren't far off. So I'd say second right now, and they're not in a great way. Yep. And speaking of North, should they get a priority pick, in your opinion? Um, possibly. I haven't looked at where they've been closely enough over the last few years. I'm not big on priority picks, though. I don't, I don't like them in the AFL at all. Yep. I think you finish last, you get the number one draft pick, you go from there. I think mm. priority picks are, are a bit of a nonsense in general. So I don't like teams getting them, so I'll say no. I'll say no. I think you have to be the most special case imaginable to get a priority pick, and I don't think North quite fits that bill. I like that. I agree with you 100%. Uh, Scott Lysette, he received four weeks for that dangerous tackle on Ned McHenry. Was that fair, four weeks for you? I thought it was a little bit on the harsh side, but I understand the stance the ASL is taking. I think he got punished a bit more if he's a very big man and Ned McHenry's a small man. I think if it was someone who was a little bit, who weighed a little bit more than Ned McHenry, the tackle isn't as severe, if you know what I mean, and uh, he probably only gets two weeks. But that's the way it goes sometimes. You have to roll with that. He'll cop it. I just couldn't stand some of the social media abuse that he yeah. copped. I saw it on his Instagram. People telling him to kill himself and we know where you live and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, grow up. I Come on. I mean, it's just insane what people are doing nowadays. And I felt sorry for him in that regard, but it was a yeah. very dangerous tackle. The AFL's got to stop out, stamp out, sorry, um, head knocks and concussion as much as they can because it's a huge threat to the game. So, yep, if he has to cop his whack because Ned McHenry is much smaller than him, then, then so be it. Will we see a new Premier this year? A new Premier, as in not Richmond? Not Richmond. Yes. I yep. think it'll be Geelong or Port if I have to pick right now. Ooh. Geelong or Port are my two picks. A line, a line through the Tigers from Garvey. I don't think they'll. I don't think they've quite got it mentally to go again. I, I think they'll be up there yep. to get over the line again. Very difficult to do in what year? Year five, just about of or year four of their of their time at the top. Mentally, you start to fade a touch. I think maybe that could be, you know, the issue for them. As a West Coast fan, this is the last one. What would you give up for Patrick Cripps? Not much. Not much. Not a fan. Not much. I mean, <laughs> he's been a great player, but he's not a great player anymore. Like on form, he's a B-grade midfielder. Sorry to say, and yep. he's 26, and his body looks like it's letting him down a lot. Um, you know, we've got experienced midfielders and Shuey, Yo, Kelly, Gaff. I mean, if he was 22, 23, you'd look at it. But the Eagles need to replenish. So, and salary cap wise. We've got some, some stars on the books already. So I don't think Crips and the Eagles are a match at all. I don't see it working unless one of our established stars wants to leave, which I can't see happening. I think he's a better fit at the Dockers, where they might need a bit more experience in their midfield. But even from their point of view, the money that he's on now at Carlton, I don't think he's worth that. And giving up a lot via a trade, I mean, he'd have to have a dramatic turnaround in the second half of the season. It looks as if playing on the ball for so long so young at Carlton has started to take its toll and that's not a surprise it would on many a player and has on many a player before and his body unfortunately starting it seems to fail him but I hope he can turn it around because he's in one of my three fantasy teams so that would be handy <laughs> it would be handy oh a bit of garb loading before the weekend that was perfect mate <laughs> hey with every guest I do before I let you go we do 10 quick questions so the first thing that pops into your mind I'm going to ask 10 quick ones all right okay yeah your favorite food Pasta. Favourite movie? Shawshank Redemption. Good one. Uh, best person you've interviewed? Mario Balotelli. Oh, that would have been the best. 
that would have been good. And I, actually, I remember that story. Sorry for interrupting. You you said uh, I think you were the first one to interview him out of that pack because you knew that he gets a bit tired and cranky by the end. So you made sure you were first. Was that right? Yeah, so it used to work like that. They would put up a player for international media. We'd always yeah. try and jostle, and sometimes it's better to go first, sometimes it's better to go last because the first person they can be nervous for, the last yeah. person they can warm up for more. And, but I knew with Mario, he doesn't want to do this. So get him first when he's fresh because yeah. by the last person, he's had a gutful. So I managed to wrangle it that way, and uh, he gave me a pretty good interview in the end. Awesome. Who's the worst person you've interviewed? <laughs> oh, geez. Um, that's a tough one. Wow. Uh, Long list. <laughs> putting me on the spot with that one. Um, I honestly don't know. Pass for now. I'll try to come back okay. to Okay. All right. We'll ask you again at the end. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Paris. Paris. Nice. Favourite moment as a West Coast fan? Uh, 2018 Grand Final, only because I was there. 92 as a kid was from, you know, so special, um, but I was a youngster and I wasn't at the ground. 2018, being inside the ground, that feeling was unbelievable. Oh, so, yeah, 2018. Would have been good, that Dom Sheed goal. Uh, your favourite mm. quote? Don't get bitter, get better. Love it. Your favourite footy player of all time? Chris Judd. Yeah, Chris watching him at the Eagles was just a pleasure. Um, I don't think I've seen a better player than Judd between 04 and 07. There's a bit of bias there, but I also watched him very closely. Yeah, Chris Judd in that time is my favourite ever. Yep. Good call. What makes you angry? Uh, Playing badly at golf makes me very angry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, the last one before we get back to the interview one. If you could have full control of creating a weekly footy show on TV, what would the theme be and who would you have hosting with you? <laughs> oh, geez, full control of a. Honestly, okay, if I had full control of a footy show, yeah. I would do a footy show that has nothing to do with anything outside of what, what's actually happening on the field. Yep. So it's just like segments. So, best player of the week, most improved player, rolling all Australian team, uh, best, uh, most underrated player, and just discuss all of that stuff. Yep. Just discuss the footy. Um, and leave all the other stuff out. And I know there's a few shows that do a bit of that, but mm. like just a segment and category and just do all, you know, just the stuff that people are talking about around the bar. Who's yeah. underrated? Who's the best pick? All of that stuff. Pure categories and pure footy. Yes. That would be it. Who would I want to do it with? Um, there's a lot of good people I enjoy talking footy with and, uh, and yeah, talking about the game with. I like David King. I'm a fan of David King. David I really King. enjoy the way he goes about it. He gets criticised a bit, but he'd probably be my pick at the top of my head. And he loved that show too. He loves pure footy. He loves uh, yeah, talking exactly. his stats. All right, last one. You've got to give me someone. Worst person you've interviewed. Oh, let me think. Let me think. Uh, oh, jeez. Oh, okay, I've got one. Yep, yeah, it's come forward. Now, he's also the best I've interviewed. Okay. Right? So this is a contrast. Yeah. But Daniel Sturridge... Yeah. for Liverpool was the biggest mix between a good and bad interview. Really? Why? So I interviewed him once I interviewed him once before a Merseyside derby and he was fantastic. He was engaging. He was funny. He was willing to do everything. We asked him to do the Sturridge dance on camera and he did. Mm. Then I interviewed him like two games later after he scored a hat-trick yeah. and he barely said anything. <laughs> I couldn't work <laughs> it out. It was like there was like a different person that had taken over his body. All he did was wanted to thank God and that was it. And he barely answered a question that I asked him properly. Wow, thank so you. that was, yeah, the weirdest. I'm not going to say the worst because okay. you, you always enjoy an interview and get something out of it. But he's yep. the weirdest interview ever because 
the contrast between what he is <laughs> his best and his worst is, is dramatic. Yeah, see, there you go. Very interesting. Hey, Garby, you're you're definitely in uh, in my top. So thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate. it. I could speak to you all day, mate. But uh, after have to let you go because you are a busy man. You got to go get some sleep as well before you you stay up all night and watch some soccer. Exactly right. And uh, <laughs> mate, I was going to do a gym session today, but now I don't have to. You don't have to. Thanks very much, mate. Yeah. No worries. I was going to do my uh, my carb loading, but I've got you, so it's a bit of carb loading. So it's brilliant. <laughs> I'll do I'll do the carb loading as well, unfortunately, okay. but I'll do the gym session today. <laughs> brilliant. Thank you so much, Garvey. We'll speak again Thanks, soon. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Right, here we go, fellas. Uh, time for my second favourite part of the show. Every week I nearly stuffed it up, but I got it this week. It was good. Uh, especially when we have Daniel Garb on, so this is definitely his second favourite. He's a master, so it was great to speak to him. Hey, uh, boys, how was your weekend? Nico, you look a bit down today. You're in black. You're frowning. You're sad. <laughs> All thought into no, the I'm worst good. spot they've ever been in. Yep, yep. Second last. Uh, interesting week coming up against North, but I'm, I'm feeling okay, James. You're despite, right? despite the black sweater on today, I'm yeah. feeling okay, ready to go. You look miserable. Uh, Gordo, you look <laughs> Thanks, upbeat mate. today. Yeah, you know, the sun's finally shining. It was meant to be a forecast of rain and storms and yep. more Melbourne sadness, and instead uh, the D's got up and... Geelong's making things interesting. The sun's out and we're about to talk footy. That's it. Our second favourite thing to do. I don't know what my first favourite thing is to do, but uh, I'll <laughs> find it. something between People were complaining over the weekend that we we did uh, produce it on a Wednesday instead the last two weeks. But that's what happens. You know, we've got these important guests that have got things to do. So it's on a Wednesday. So yeah. you had to wait that extra day. It's everyone's second favourite thing to do. That's right. <laughs> exactly right. Hey, Nico, give me a hero of the weekend. I went with Darcy Moore this week. Oh, I think I went back tell to me more. Natural position, 19 marks down back. Again, yeah. like, yeah, it was against, against North. North, but you, 19 marks, that, that's ridiculous. Mm. What a response. It settles the debate of where Collingwood should be playing him. And also Jordan Degoe as well. I think he played a more natural position and silenced a few critics Put him deeper forward, with six didn't it? goals. Yeah. Well, you'd expect him to take big marks and perform against and, North. And like, yeah, against North, but he still has to do it, and he did it, so well done to him. Yeah, no, I didn't I didn't mind it. I thought he did well, and it, it does. Like, you know, who would have thought playing playing players in their actual natural positions would work out? Exactly. So there you go. Hey, just quickly on this, I listened to um, I listened to Mark Fine because I like the Footyology podcast, and he, he spoke about Jordan Degoe uh, quickly because he mentioned him and he said, you know, a lot of people are going to say, you know, Dugowie strikes form in match-winning performance, but his headline should read, selfish Dugowie proves once and for all who he cares about most, himself. I, I, I like He kicks six goals. I, like I love Finey. But that's a poor take. It's a, well, the forwards are meant to be – they're selfish players. They're forwards. They, it's their job to kick so goals. So because a couple of times he burnt some players, um, didn't give them the hand pass, didn't kick, he went oh, mate, for goal himself. That's the story of Buddy's whole career and more times than not it's worked for him. So so buddies so, are selfish players, that what you're saying? Of course, most forwards okay. are selfish players. And mate. also, and that's, that's, his, that's his thing. job. Isn't it the job of the forward to kick the goal? Exactly. Like, if your you, forward doesn't want to kick the goal, then you get oh, then you get you don't want to you don't want a scared forward. You it. want a forward that thinks they are the best player on the field. They're going to kick the most goals, and they're getting paid. They're getting again, paid. Again, the Nick's bucks. giving me these eyes. I'm just asking the question. No, don't the, shoot I'm, the no, messenger I'm, again. I'm talking about Finey. I'm just yeah. saying that you, these forwards get paid the big bucks to kick goals. You mm. want them taking those shots, not. And it's funny generation else. that is that is telling us that we need to bring back the full forward and bring back the hundred goal forward and bring <laughs> back the, 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 the. He's up on Finey. Come on, but then at the same breath, if a forward goes out and kicks a bag, 
then they're being selfish. I we can't have a hundred goal forward and non-selfish forward. Exactly. I thought there was a couple Forwards of times he selfish. could have given one off and, and he missed. And there was one occasion he could have handed it off to Dacos, but he didn't. He chose to have the shot and missed. That, uh, fair enough. All right, who's your hero? It's obviously not Finey. It's not Finey and it's not a forward. It is the unselfish, Captain Courageous, Leadership who's that? 101, Marcus Bontempelli. Oh, the Bont. He, oh. he had a performance for the ages. The yep. Dogs... Off the back of their loss to Richmond, looked sluggish in the first three quarters. He single-handedly dragged them into contention and then finished off the job with Caleb Daniel. Yeah, down I was going to say single-handedly was no, a no, bit. no, no, but <laughs> no, no. Caleb Daniel, great last quarter. Yeah, stinky first three quarters. First three the quarters. The only bulldog that really had a good whole game was the Bond. Well, he Bond was, stepped up in the last quarter, and especially stepped up in the last quarter, yeah. and just. He's one of the very few elite silky midfielders that does the hard work as well. So 22 pressure acts that game was the highest by any midfielder, highest by any of the dogs. Uh, only Sam Walsh from Carlton had more pressure acts. And again, another elite in the making midfielder there. Yeah, a few a few crucial uh, centre clearances in the last quarter as well. And yep. and, and, and seven clearances overall for, the, uh, for that quarter as well. Yeah, in, unbelievable. In one game. Uh, he also is only one of three players to average footies triple-double, which is a stat I just invented before this podcast, which is okay. 20 disposals, oh, yeah. 10 contested disposals and a goal. So Bont is three, one. Yeah, who are the other three? Who are the other two? The other two? Averaging 20, 10 and one. The Westbrooks of the AFL. N- like now this season? This season. Petrarca. Petrarca, yes. He's 29, uh, 29, 12, and one goal again, yeah. So, and there's one more. And one more. Still? No. Shy Bolton. Oh, Shy Bolton. There you go. 22, 10, and one. There you go. Jeez. Well, he won't be doing it over the next couple of weeks. Oh, no, we'll but let's not bury the lead. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Hey, just on that, um, I was listening to Damien Barrett on Monday, and he said, Dusty. Petrarca, Fife, Dangerfield, Bont. He said, I'm taking Bont and Pally by some margin. Out of all of them, who would you take? I'll take the Bont. As I, if we talked about, you know, Fanny's take about selfish forwards, you definitely want unselfish midfielders. And I think a lot of those, they as much as they are midfielders, they are midfielder forwards. They roll forward, they rest forward. Very few are, are doing as much defensive work as the Bont does. Like Dusty isn't a two-way player. Petrarca, not really a two-way player. No, he's not. He's a, he's a, he's a one-way player. Um, yeah, whereas the Bond does it both sides of the foot. Yeah, he does his pressure, actually. He, he works harder both ways than the other um, the others. But in saying that, I think you'd you'd get more out of Dusty long-term, in my opinion. Hey, uh, Nico, who, what was your highlight? <laughs> my highlight was uh, Geelong's win, the big win on Friday night. Oh, I love it. Sorry, Jimmy. This was the league's, the competition and footy fans' highlight. Yeah. I agree. Friday night. Yeah. They they had a point to prove um, Mm. and they embarrassed Richmond in the second half pretty much, pretty much like what Richmond did to Geelong in last year's grand final and they they had a second half show of their own, um, kicking 13 goals, eight to uh, Richmond's two goals too. So, you know, that's football. They played football at its finest. It was pure dominance and they, they put the rest of the contenders on notice on they Friday did. night. Pressure. So that being said, our friends at Stats Insider have now have moved along into the most likely to win the premiership after Friday night's after win. After one game. Is that, a, is that a statistical overreaction? The bookies have them at $7 and then it's a massive grouping with Richmond, Port, Bulldogs and Melbourne. Well, I, basically I all five fitting. I would have thought it I thought I would have thought it was because, you know, you don't win your your um your, your premierships now. 
in May. And also, when's the last time Richmond lost to a side twice in the same year? A long, long time. Yeah, but they're going to have to beat a lot of sides now not for that, that to happen No, that is year. true. That is true. That is true. But we've seen that Geelong can finish on top of the ladder and still not win the flag. Yeah, um, that's true. But there are three other good contenders. That's, yeah, and there's other – yeah, there are other – Great um, contenders. Um, maybe yeah. even four with Brisbane. They look pretty good as well. But they do. There's so many contenders this year. Um, and we really, with the last few years, that, we've said, And on that point, yeah. is there too much focus on teams beating Richmond now? So, you from know, who? From Melbourne, media. But yeah, as in like Melbourne beat Richmond. Oh, they've been proving themselves. They're, they're now a contender. They're always Geelong beat Richmond. Premiers. Is Richmond actually the side to beat at the moment? Yeah. They've got, what, they've got they, six they or seven outs. for the last three years. Richmond's not at their best yet. Yeah, but they said – Yeah, but they said – they set the benchmark of Richmond just to answer yeah. your question, Gordo. So it's always going to be the focus is to to beat Richmond. If you beat Richmond, then you're obviously, you know, going to be up there. Um, of course. And what is. did you just say, James? Oh, oh it, you it just interrupted just, It just escaped my thought because I did have a response to that as well. <laughs> yeah. No, what were you going on about? Oh, I was going on about some crap, but I was just going to say that um, Sydney and Melbourne kind of got the template of beating Richmond, you know, and it was the pressure. Like, they, you get through their first line of defence and then it opens up. And Geelong said, we're just going to go through them. You know, that's what we're going to do. We're going to break tackles. They did that. Richmond's pressure wasn't up. And the pressure was down against Sydney. Pressure was down against Melbourne. Pressure was down against Geelong. But you need you yeah. need two tacklers against Geelong players, and there was too many broken tackles. Fifty, I think it was like fifty-two percent of tackles got broken on Friday night from Richmond, which is their lowest stat in years. Fifty-two yeah, well, percent of they, tackles. They've been very hot and cold this year, and I think that's a sign of the error. It's the first phase of the error coming to an end because it, it reminds me a lot of. Hawthorne in 2016. They they well, did everything start. Everything reminds they you did, of Hawthorne. No, things. but oh, that's that was the end. Of, that was that was the end of the era, and they did start this that season six and two. But three of those wins were by three points, and I think they lost to the Giants by 70 points as well. There were a lot of um, hot and cold moments for Hawthorne that, that in that start, similar to Richmond. Mm. Well, that was your highlight. Gordo, what was your highlight? Well, my highlight was also the Geelong win. Oh, more, Geelong. More, Jeez, but more for the juicing narrative it gives us. So now, as we said, we probably have four, if we go Geelong, Melbourne, Bulldogs, Port Adelaide, genuine contenders Brisbane. against the, the reigning champ, Richmond. I think Brisbane. Then we have Brisbane. And then on the, out, on the outside looking in, we've got Sydney, West Coast, and the no, Giants Sydney being like, contender. if we, no, but as in like, we're going to make it. We're going to make the funnels probably. We're gonna we're gonna be difficult to play against in round one of round week one of the finals. So for the first time in a very long time, it's not. I think we can forget about like chasing Richmond. Richmond is now in their preferred position. They're the, they're the underdogs. They've had their they've had some uh, off field stuff happen again this week. They've got heaps yep. of injuries. They can now cruise through the middle rounds and work out how to how to you know hit form at the right time. But now we've got a genuine four five horse race, which means every week you know there's gonna be a title contention. Like this week, we've got Doggies versus Port. Great game. We're going to have so many of those games this year now because there's six or seven teams that can win it, not just one and everyone chasing that one team. Mm. I do agree, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, what's your low light? <laughs> My low light uh, it was crowd numbers, but not to the fault of the fans. Um, ooh, it's been ooh, a bit of a low ooh, light for the whole year, and I find it strange that the AFL haven't acted on it because because I think I think the, the fault of the, the crowd numbers at the moment is the ticketing system. People aren't getting the reserve seats they paid for, mm. so they can't just rock up to games. Instead, they need to be on a, on Ticket Tech or Ticket Master within a certain time bracket. 
but of course people work and they can't always be on their phone and computer. But what irks me is that the clubs and the AFL knew this is how the system would work for at least the opening 10 rounds, yet they still charge the same amount for membership packages despite supporters not having access to their seats. You know, they, they should be doing some incentives, initiatives, you know, where are the discounts? Do like a bring a friend for free across the whole round for round 10. Um, yeah, I mean, people have gone through the whole pandemic and all we've heard about is how the clubs have struck, uh, struggled, but people have struggled as well. They've lost they their jobs. Some clubs have done Give some something back to the fans. Yeah, I agree with the AFL's not doing enough and the system that at the moment is ridiculous. I mean, there's no – you could go back to a barcode system at the moment the way it is. Anyway, um, some clubs have done initiatives and I know that because I've got a bloody Carlton membership sitting in my on my, um, on my desk at home because one of my Carlton mates – had a practical joke on me because they were giving away free memberships. If you sign up last year, you get a free membership for your friends. So I can go to Carlton games for free. People can go to games. Okay. No doubt people are pissed off about the reserve seat thing. And there is other factors. It's expensive to go. The food's expensive. Public transportation is pretty shit at the moment. And um, I've got another tweet uh, about that coming up. But at the same time, if you want to go and support your team, you are going to find a way. So I think 15000 on a Sunday. I know it was Mother's Day. You have putrid. to take Mother's Day. Of course account, you do, but that is putrid. 35000 on Saturday time. nights for, for Melbourne who are undefeated on top of the ladder. You've got Melbourne supporters coming out of the woodwork. 35000 against Sydney who are a decent team. Even 55000 on Friday wasn't great. Now, it's I know like Ge- that all year. Geelong don't travel well so, usually, but... You have to have a circuit breaker then. So like the showdown the AFL well. the AFL has to think to itself, well, do they care? And the answer probably is they don't. Like they make ninety nine percent of their money off they off broadcast broadcasting rights. is eighty percent of they definitely yeah. care. If, or if, if they, they have care, to get, they then, then the, the, the barcode system comes <laughs> back in and crowd numbers are still down, they'll start to care big time. Yeah. And they so, need to care about crowd numbers. They have to, but it, yeah. But that's way- that's the part that they probably need to have. Is that like you know we all work in business to some to some element as well as doing this job. And it's like, what do you do when you want to change behaviours? We were forced to stay at home for a year last year, so we have taught ourselves to stay away from crowds, to do all that kind of stuff. We can pretend that we can just go straight back to it, but we can't. There's, we people aren't willing to hop on public transport. People aren't willing to sit in traffic anymore. They aren't willing to do a lot of things. So the AFL needs to have a whole big you know homecoming. Like round, basically. They do. They and do. say, basically, you know what? Tickets are free or they're 10 bucks or whatever it is because it won't cost them anything. 80% of income is, is broadcast revenue anyway. So if they want to increase those crowds, create a circuit breaker. Bring them, bring someone back to the footy. Give them a great time. Give them a full house. Show them yeah, how good but, it was yeah. and then go from there. That's true. I agree. They've got to, they've got to work something out. Like 80% goes to the AFL, but then the clubs get a share of the ticketing price. So anyway, they've got to work out yeah. which part goes to which uh, organisation. Gordo, what's your, what's your low light of the weekend? So everyone's talking about this Hawthorne West Coast game that no one turned up to, that no one watched, and it was terrible. Yeah, it was it was horrible. Hawthorne <laughs> knew what was going to happen that game. They tried their best not to get spanked. That's survival of the fittest. What was disgusting was Gold Coast and Kilda. So we 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 said, oh, the sun is rising again." Last week, we we wrote it in our in our, in our articles. We we got behind Stewie Dew and the boys, and we went. I didn't. Oh. I tip Saints. <laughs> yeah, but we we came out and we gave heroes to the, to the Suns and said he's the best kick in the competition. Yeah. And then they it was lost like Space again, Jam. They lost their skill set. They lost their skill set. <laughs> then St Kilda comes out after the match and says, "Yep, our work weight was exceptional, and we know where we are." We know where we are. This is a club that has brought in Hanbury, Higgins, Ryder, Crouch, and Hill to know where they are, which is twelfth. These are these these clubs not, are in are in the quicksand. They're in the quagmire. They are irrelevant. 
Oh, St Kilda's irrelevant. They are. That is huge. If they if they leave that game saying, "Yep, job done," four points <laughs> against Gold Coast. Oh, we against a Gold Coast that can't run out games against a, yeah. as proven. Well, your guest last week, Manny Lappin, saying that they are unprofessional, that their standards aren't they up were. to AFL. They were. He didn't say they are at the moment, well, but he said how many, they were How many there. fourth quarters have they won this year, Jimmy? Yeah, no. I'm Two. One against Collingwood, one against North Melbourne. They do not run out games. If they were a professional club up to professional standards, they would hold on to that game and beat St Kilda. Yeah, well, that's what, that's why I didn't tip them because they're not you, you can't they're not consistent. I'm to, I'm I'm talking about St Kilda here that you're saying is irre- irrelevant. Jeez, that is a that is very harsh. And since they've had Ryder and Marshall back, they haven't lost. And that's what I said to you a few weeks back. You said yeah, pick a team. They played I said well. say, I I know that you can only beat. They who didn't you play, lose. Nicholas. They didn't lose that game, but they tried mildly hard to. <laughs> Oh, it's, God, broken. They, no. it's broken. It's uh, broken. We we expected a lot more from St. Kilda, and that's the problem right, because they have not met those not, expectations. And they there are saying go. that they are meeting those expectations. We understand where oh. we are at. Direct quote, we haven't played footy that we've been after, but we need to keep finding a way. Today was full of guts, grind, it roll was. up your they, sleeves, they old fashioned their way footy. Back to, the, back to the – and it is muggy gets hot, muggy conditions. Gold Coast were on a high after beating the Pies. If, they if, fought if, if Brett Ratton is accepting of that, they are in a world of pain. They should be challenging for the – the premiership this year. Yeah, of course. They've, this you know, year, they've, the had, they have. they've had their injuries were ridiculous at the start of the season and those performances were all going to come. And, and I said it's a mental thing because they've got the list there. They've had Ryder back with Marshall and it's been an improvement. Now, they've won the game. Fair enough. I still believe in them that they can they can improve on that. It will click. Okay? Star players on big contracts. All and right. that's why I don't understand when they say like, oh, you know, you know, there's no culture there yet. It's like these are big like, All right. no one has to teach Hanabry Higgins right a crash or he'll how to play football. They're not they're trying to veteran, teach him how to play football. They're veterans. They the should co- know their own standards. Coaching. They should be driving the standards themselves. Oh, Gordo, he's letting <laughs> off on the same. This is like a couple of years ago. You said Saints won't win a game all year. Um, yeah, you are off the Saints. Fair enough. Hey, let's ask some uh, questions to you boys. And I've got some tweets as well. The first one I'm going to ask quickly, and I've got thoughts on this, obviously, is are Richmond in trouble now on and off the field? Because obviously... As we speak, there's been an incident uh, that happened on Saturday night where um, two Richmond players were injured in a, in a club brawl. So basically what's happened, if, if, if you've missed it or you've been living under a rock, is that uh, it was Shy Bolton's girlfriend's birthday. The boys went out. Uh, somebody either touched or uh, harassed uh, Daniel Rioli's girlfriend, who's a popular DJ. Rioli came in apparently to break up the situation or defuse it. He got punched in the eye. Shay Bolton came in to back up Danny and he's ended up with a broken wrist. And the club has released a statement, said they're not going to, uh, you know, sanction the two boys. Uh, Brendan Gale came on radio and said he'd prefer, obviously, that you'd walk away and not be in those situations. But the boys, judging on what we know now and the facts, they're pretty much there's no wrongdoing on their, on their behalf. Yeah. So, and so everyone is defending this like they acted like two normal people would in a go. club situation. No sarcasm here, mate. They're not normal people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what does that mean? So as in like... They're so not normal. They are normal people. They're not normal people. They're okay. AFL footballers. People, yeah. g- when you're in your own environment in a public setting, there are going to be idiots, to put it nicely out there, that want to show something mm. to themselves or their idiot mates and be like, oh, I'm going to get in a brawl with an AFL football. Oh, there's Daniel Real. Yeah. I, I, know, I know you do that. Take but, yourself yeah. out of those situations. You can oh. No, I don't. You know, you I disagree. I disagree with you. If somebody, if you're in that situation and your girlfriend's having a party, if someone, so that's fine. That's fine. Yes. Okay. Uh, wait, wait, Gordo. Let me say something. If if my partner was in a situation and someone said something to my partner, 
there would be I would I would there's no way I'd just be like, all right, let's let's go walk away, fellas. They're like like You're even if Daniel did that like doesn't matter. Players. No, it doesn't matter because these are human beings so that's, as well. That's part you can't one. Say, yes. No, number one, you can't say to these players, All right, you're not going out this year at all. You're staying home. And if you go out, you can't talk to anybody, you can't look at anybody, you can't do this. So Daniel from the facts we know, we don't know exactly what happened. From what we know is Daniel's gone up and even said, Hey mate, you know, that's enough. Don't touch my missus, whatever. Gets punched in the eye. When he gets punched in the eye, what what the actions there these are 22 and 24 year old boys right and you're going to tell me that the the, the right thing to do that like they did the wrong thing did they no no i'm not saying they did the wrong thing and part two of this is they're afl footballers yeah yeah so what are your tools for your profession what are your tools for your income when you're an afl footballer yeah, your body your body yeah, yeah. so i wouldn't That's i wouldn't get i wouldn't get into an argument someone whatever whatever the situation and then get all my tech equipment here and just start smashing people over their head and breaking no, my, my tools <laughs> of my income. Shabon punched someone and broke his wrist. You don't know if he punched someone and broke his wrist. He could have fallen over and broken his wrist. And I know you like this is the facts the that way we know. they said it. We don't know. Okay, he's broken. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. It's spread out all the exactly. allegedly. But I think it's pretty from obvious. From the facts am, we know. So I'm a big fan of Jalen and Jacoby, yeah? And then so Jalen Rose talks about this. NBA players can go out to nightclubs all you want, but you have to look after the tools of your profession. So you have to make sure you don't get into situations where you're going to be suspended because you're in an investigation and make sure you don't get injured by doing something that's not related to your performance on the court. Yes, they are normal people. Yes, they are the, have the right to go out and enjoy themselves and know they should not be harassed and no one should be harassing anyone's partner or any other person, full stop. Yeah, so I agree with all of that. But at the end of the day, you also have to be smart enough to realise that's that's my, my – like they've, they have let down their team by hurting themselves. Because it doesn't sound like it doesn't okay, sound so, like yeah, they got hurt. Uh, all right, the punch in the face, obviously, he got again. hurt. Okay, yeah. fair enough. You don't know what happened to to Shy Bolton's wrist. We don't know as we speak now if he if he got pushed and fell on his wrist. If it, who knows? Okay, you're saying yes. So you're you're saying he punched somebody in the face and broke his wrist. Okay, well, not the face. I'm saying okay, you're I'm saying, saying he, he was punch. he was in a fight. That's, yeah, and he came that's out an assumption. Injured. Okay, he can he can avoid being in that fight. Is what I'm saying. And we all okay. can. Just like if you so if you get into a fight and hurt someone, it, and then you go, you can be up for battery for assault yeah, for manslaughter. That's fine. It's easier said than done. If your mate is in a fight, and you know I've been in that situation too, where you see your friends in a fight, you're not going to be sitting there going, "All right, boys, like settle down." Like at the at, in in the well, I'm, in the I'm moment, advocating that you sh- you should. Be. Okay, yeah, okay, you probably should. You you probably violence should. is never the answer. You try yeah. and break it up, and, and that's the other part of this discussion, which doesn't seem like they just do what every other person should do. Well, we should be spreading the message that you can just walk away. That's what. Yeah. Th- that's well, just obviously what break Brendan, it up, Ga- Brendan Gale's come out and said because he has to say that. Well, he should be yeah, saying yeah, that. No, no, that I'm that saying it's good that he's right come out because on the radio, um, Gary Lyons said to him, you know, it's a bit confusing because you know, uh, Dima Hardwick basically said, you know, they're okay, no wrongdoing, and and hmm. and Brendan Gale's come and said, no, well, we wouldn't like them to do that, which is fair enough. Which is what obviously there's been a chatting club. Let's go out and spread this message. Walk away. Don't get into. Fight. Of course, I mean it goes without saying. You have to be stupid to think no that we back up violence. Yes, we're we're advocating violence. No, we're not. We're accepting that this these things do happen, and then now people are tying it in with oh that's a bad culture. These players shouldn't be out. Like, these players, these players shouldn't be uh, like. I, I w- you would think that um, you know his partner's got to be feel safe in his presence. That he's backing her up if something happens. He's trying to protect her. But he also, when you crossfire. go to a club, clubs have security. Like we have, we oh, have so, systems so of rule se- here. In the two seconds that you've gone to break something up, you're expecting a security guard to. Co- they should be there, but uh, anyway, Gordo, it's, it doesn't matter. 
<laughs> You're expect there agree are to disagree. In, there are methods in place. There are methods in place. Well, I don't know. I'm a bit on the fence with this one. Yeah, I agree with both of you for certain things. Yeah. All right. Um. And on field, are they in trouble? We discussed that. Yeah, we already discussed. We discussed that, I think so. Four and four. It's probably where they're at. Is Hawthorne impossible to watch? I mean, I don't know what people expect. Oh, here we go. I don't know what people expect. Guys like Damian Barrett and Kane Corns come out and say Hawthorne need to bottom out, he said go he, to the draft. So he said they're not hard to let watch. Me, they're, let, they're impossible to oh, watch. Let, let me continue. They're now saying now they need to bottom like. out. They need to go to the draft. They've done that the last two years. They will do it for the next two, two years. They're two years behind, Nick. And now, and now they're... What do you mean they're two years behind? They're two years behind. They, they, they should have bottomed out. Not bottomed okay, out. They should well have gone to the draft well, two years the, ago. Well, that, 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 that's Wingard, irrelevant. That we are, Chad Wingard uh, uh, trade are you was... you letting me talk? Yeah, it was just horrible. <laughs> All right. Well, we've been to the draft the last two years. You, you, you're speaking irrelevance because we are in the moment. We need to worry about what we're doing now. Okay. They're rebuilding. Yeah. And they will play bad football. Uh, they're, yes, they might be hard to watch or impossible, as Damo said. But that's where he wanted them to be. He wanted them to bottom out, fully bottom out. He could, they could have kept topping up and be middle of the road for an extra five, year, five years, but they bottomed out. They've gone to the draft, and this is where they're at. So I don't understand why they're, uh, you know. So, but you're disagreeing with him, but you're agreeing with him. They are impossible to watch. Is that what you're saying? They're very hard to watch. They're I think. I, I think he's been. That, it's like North Melbourne as well. That's what happens so when would you, you bottom rather out. See them Carlton were impossible to watch for 10 years. Okay, fair enough. Don't get defensive. Melbourne were impossible to I watch spoke, for I even longer. I spoke to a couple of Hawthorne supporters in the lead-up because I knew what you'd, you'd go and back them up either way. And they said, yes, we made a mistake. We should, we're two years behind where we should have been. I, 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 I agree how, with that. I'm saying they, it's irrelevant. Also, how have you I'm made a mistake? But under what timeline have they made a mistake? No, you've made a mistake two years ago that you tried to top up and go for another. They, they, they should have gone to the draft. There's no, there's no quality young 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 players in there. Maybe you've got one or two in because that Because you that have list. the window it, and you try to extend it for no, as long no, as possible. No, no, it's, it's – They're saying ago, they, we, they, we made, they the made the top four in 2018 and they thought they could, you know, go for another run. Yeah. They they went so to the they went to the trade period and now, you know, it's, it, hindsight's a beautiful thing. So would you thing. rather the Hawks be trying to protect and not get smashed or would you rather them implement a game style that's going to take them to the future? And now, like, you know, at the end of the game, Clarko's saying we don't have enough depth. He blamed the depth. So you bring in players next week that are coming back, right? Well, there is, are a is lot that, of injuries. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of injuries. Are they going to be in the next premiership window? Or are they yes. going to be – they are, are they? Yes. Well, they, they delisted about 11 or 12 players last year. Um, they're fielding their youngest team they have in the last 15 years. Yeah, it's just a game style. I mean, list, had, if you take out Burgoyne, it's very much it's like Sydney. List. Everyone said this about well, – actually, no one said this about Sydney no, because no, no one cares. No. And then they, they were dour, they were defensive. It's a, it's a jungle no, on my no, side. It's, 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 it was, but you go back and look at their numbers. Yeah, but they, no, they, it, it wasn't the same. Like this is – they've had tw- 28 less inside 50s. They're not going anywhere. What do you and expect, defen- Okay, no, fair enough. No, no, no. What do you expect? Tell me what you I expect. I expect you to play a game so that you can you – can, um, keep through like while you're rebuilding this side and show young players – like this is protecting a score. This is not – this is like let's not get smashed and be embarrassed. They want to be competitive. Yeah. They don't want to g- okay. walk out knowing they're going to lose by 10 goals. All right. Why would you do that? Why would anyone no, – no, you go out to win. All right, Nico. You're do you want them to tank? Them. You want them to tank? No, I don't want them to tank. <laughs> okay. I don't want them well, to they're tank. trying to – they're still trying to compete. There's still members out there paying money to the club yeah, to no, go to games. They're not going to games, though. 
Tell you that much, fifteen thousand. All right, you didn't go to games either, mate. You didn't go to. You you haven't gone to the last three Richmond games. Look at him get upset. You know, you wound him up. You did this. Get upset. I love doing it. It's good. This This is what we want, Nico. Get up and about. (laughs) All right, this is from Antonis uh, Apostolakis. He wrote, he wanted our thoughts on David Teague, okay? And he said, uh, what's your opinion on our coach? He always just drops the same couple of players. It was only the other week that SPS, so uh, Sam Petrovsky-Seaton, got dropped and been an emergency, but he should have been dropped ages ago. It was like uh, Sunday's game, straight after halftime when they're leading, Cripps is on the bench. They put the bont in the middle. He takes over. I remember when he first took took over and the pressure was there at every contest. Now we cruise in games. When the games get close or not going right, I think he lacks the ability to impact the game, doesn't make the changes when he should, and then it's too late. Gordo. Well, yeah. As a, as a Carlton member, you must be loving the way that Tiggy plays because he plays that goal-scoring footy. He plays that he, he openly admitted before the game, we're going to go into a shootout against the Doggies. Who are good, our best is the, is the best to beat, you know, anyone else in the AFL. And then they just don't, they just, is, for them, that, that is the antithesis of Hawthorne, yeah? So as much as people say, to, cir- to circle it back on the previous conversation, Clarko is teaching we moved his, on from you know, Clarko is teaching his young players how to potentially win. Teague is teaching his young players how to score goals. No, he's trying to win games. This is not trying no, to win Teague's games. not trying to win games not. because he, no, he should have won that game. That was Carlton's game to win. Yeah, of course it was to win. And they got into a position to win and they let it go because their problem is giving up big scores. In, exactly. They in didn't concession. know how to defend 100%. when they needed to. Okay, so what went wrong then, Nico? What went wrong? I don't know what because re- you, went wrong. They you, can't shut down games. You, you yeah. have a five-goal lead. You should be able to protect that, and they didn't. And Carlton... They should be a top eight side. They should be making finals, and they've got the list to do it. So I, yeah, they've, I, they've gone to the draft number for a number of years. Those players are maturing. They've brought in um, the big fish. They've got in two new recruits last year, and they're, they're three and five. And I know it's still so early. So is it Teague? Because that's what he asked. It is. It is. It's Teague. It has to be. If they don't, so what does Teague need? What does Teague need to do then? If they don't make finals this year, Jimmy, it has to be on. So the it's coach. Teague. It has it, to be on the coach. He hasn't even coached forty games yet. That, forty senior that games. That list is good enough to yeah, make Nick, finals. I understand. Okay. Hasn't. So what is what I is think, what is Carlton's defensive format then? Like Richmond's defensive format is to split the field in half longitudinally first and then horizontally second. Geelong's is to cut off the 45 kicks and to play in between so what, the lines. No, it's not for Richmond. But what? what? Richmond, no, anyway, you split. Okay. Richmond. All right. Doesn't matter. No, but as, in what, as you, ask, what, you ask, what does Tiggy need to do? Tiggy needs to show us how they defend the field because they don't. No. Th- they okay. try and win the contested ball and go a few, forward. A few um, – Okay, a bit of vision watching that game, okay? There's, there's, there's simple errors from personnel. So, for example, I know Jones, okay, one-on-one, fine, but his like his defensive position was horrendous at it on occasions where they don't they don't set up well, they're not communicating well, they're not a unit in defense that are set like their shape, okay? Also, Teague needs to... Um, I think he needs to make those big calls because at the moment, and like Matty Lappin said last week that, you know, the only one that looks like he's really fighting there and trying to lift the spirit is, is Sam Walsh. The others aren't. Okay. Now I think that there's not, it's it's on the midfielders as well, like defenders and midfielders, because I think Harry Mackay is doing all he can. Eddie Betts played a brilliant game. Mm. They, they he needs to find a way to be able to stop run-ons. But like, like, um, and Tonus said, in the midfield, you can't have Cripps starting on the bench when you're getting smashed in the midfield. 
Center clearances is where they, they gave up their points. That was the difference. They had similar amount of center clearances they copped to Melbourne. Mel- Melbourne conceded one point from center clearances. Mm. Carlton conceded about four goals or whatever it was, three goals, three or four goals straight from center bounces. And so when we ask the question, is yeah. this Teg's fault? Well, then you just mentioned three things that a head coach is almost yeah, no, directly responsible yeah, for. Yeah, I wouldn't center say bounce, it's just... Center bounce formation. No, personnel, not formation. No, no, personnel needs to get the right personnel in there. They're true, yeah. but also if you're if you're conceding four goals from center clearances, then you have a setup problem. You are you are not structuring properly around the center clearance. Yeah, if you if you have defenders out of position, then you have not taught a defensive structure and format and positioning properly. And if you have players yeah, not no, wanting to play for wins, then you're not inspiring your troops either. I think either. it's more about that's the inspiration. It's the more the mental side of it because I agree that they've got um, they've got the personnel to be able to compete. And but this is what I I, I didn't put them in my top eight because I hmm. thought I can see this happening. But it's just mental lapses, like simple things. It's not defensive. It's it's not even swiveling your head and looking. And there's a couple occasions there where that happened, where just the simple things. I think Teed needs to make the big calls. I agree with him. He's, he drops the same players all the time. He doesn't make the hard calls. I think it's like um, those players there, it's like they're his mates. That's what it looks like from the outside. They're his mates. Get around each other, that sort of thing. There's not the harsh call that you demand more out of these players. But so, they're not even his mates because you play for your mates. There's, no, not, still, there's, there's nothing. There's no relationship. Yeah, but there. you've got to find how to get that inspiration out of them. It's not just, yeah, I'm trying to win for my mate. It's you need to know. Some players react by you having a go at them personally. Same when you know your spot them. is safe, mm. you know, you, you you don't care as much on the field about getting dropped. You don't play for your position. You don't, yeah, play for the results it's, it's as much. Different. Hey, this is from Dario. He's got a couple. He said, uh, your thoughts on the Petrarca contract. Um, I'll go first and say that seven years is way too long. It is way too long. Five years max, I think a four or five years. Anything can happen in seven years. You don't know. Form could drop off. To be fair to him, it's only a season and a half that he's been talked about in this high regard. So great. No, he's a fantastic player. But seven years is a long bloody time. I think the other way to think about it is that you can't pay them more each year. So yeah, the salary cap protect, present. So really what they want to do is go, we're in a premiership window now. We need We need him locked in for four. And he yeah, can go somewhere. He can four. no, but he can go somewhere else. So, like, if we say he's four years at a million, he'll go great. I'm going to go to. I he could, no. like, he probably wouldn't, but I'll go somewhere else for one and a half for four. Instead, they go here's one for seven, and that way, that's what Sydney did with Buddy. They wanted to try and win a flag when he was up there. So here's nine or whatever it was, and that way, no one else can get you. So that they know full well that they're overpaying the last three years, but all they're really doing is paying for the four good years he's got. And then we'll deal with the problem when it comes. And because that, the window it, comes and goes. It's never worked out for anyone like Sydney with Bud, Buddy. It mm. probably delayed their rebuild by a couple of years by not having, you know, the contract space. The Giants as well, it hasn't worked so far with yeah, Cornelio. Grundy's form hasn't been great. Grundy at Collingwood. Yeah. Um, yeah, from a club management perspective, oh, I'm not a big fan of the long contracts with the big bucks, but, you know, from Petrarca's perspective as well, you know, good on him. He's worked his backside off and now he's, yeah, he's know, good on him. Committed. He's, asked for he's it. got his future <laughs> nice. sorted. Um, how good, uh, this is the second part of his uh, his comment, his email. How good was Bolton's mark? Um, for you guys, where does it rate? I've watched it over and over and I think it's one of the best. His leap, composure, it'd be hard to beat. I just don't feel the commentators gave it the respect it deserved. I think marks full stop never get respect they deserve in the moment because you never know. Like it's kind of hard to give commentators like a little bit of a chop out. It's like kind of hard. You can't predict it. 
it's it's happening and, you get, and you, sometimes you, it happens and you have the the height of the reaction to it and sometimes you don't like the, the social me- media your reaction got yeah, what it deserved as well yeah um uh, yeah I think it's so far anyway I think I think it's, it's market, market of the year, I think it's so market of the year definitely so I far, thought yeah. yeah the athleticism was amazing um I thought um Anthony Anthony Hudson, I nearly went blank. What's his name? Yeah, Anthony Hudson gave on SCN. His yeah. his call was probably the best out of all of them. I think he gave it the credit. Um, it wasn't like a Gary Moorcroft mark or whatever it was, you know. And and people went nuts, but I think Anthony Hudson went the went the hardest. It was brilliant. Yeah, I loved it. And uh, yeah, definitely market year for mine. Josh Toth, um, your favorite. Oh, also, I forgot to mention. Um, Daria said, "P.S. Gordon is starting to grow on me. He still reminds me of Kane Corns, though." So there you go. Somebody likes you. There you go. All right, Josh Toth. Uh, <laughs> when I went to the Carlton Bombers game, it took one hour to get from Punt Road exit to the MCG parking gate entry. By the time we got there, the gate was closed, so we had to find um, other parks. More needs to be done about the transport to footy. There isn't enough trains going home from the footy. Don't understand why they don't have them all lined up ready to go. I was with the family. It was the most frustrating thing um, I've ever been in. Everyone was saying never again. So how are we attracting people to the footy when these things happen? I've had the same problem with trains, man. I've had I, I agree. It is so frustrating, especially from Southern Cross Station, from Marvel Stadium, is is the worst. It is the worst. Can we fix up the trains, Gordo? Well the long and short is that the government doesn't wouldn't want to. Why? Because of COVID. Like they the government is not is not ready to fully commit to a hundred thousand at the G again. So they're not going to create so the infrastructure it, to allow that to happen. But even when it was, it was these problems were happening. Correct. But we weren't complaining then. We were. It's because, oh, well, but not as much. <laughs> now we've had the break and now it's a big deal. It's like, oh, did you remember when did this used to happen? But and no, so but the answer was yes, that, every if year If you're worried forever. about COVID, if you're worried about COVID, the people are still going to go. Wouldn't you want more trains so there's less people packed in like sardines? Because every train you're this going is, in. It's been like this it, forever though. Yeah, I know. But well. That's what I mean. If you had more trains yeah. or like if you've gone overseas yeah, or travelled overseas, how many, like they're, they're, there's the economies of scale though. Like, their train yeah. systems are, and, are much better yeah, than ours. But that's not going to fix the problem for round 13. No, it's not. But that needs to be a long-term goal. Surely. I mean, we've gone through the They're building new lines right now. Well, I hope so. Just outside our window. Yeah, and well, the I'm AFL hoping. and the government as well have been um, almost pushing fans to take public transport into games as well. Like yeah. they, they make t- um, parking super expensive. They also cut off some other parking avenues and, yeah, they, they force fans to catch the train but probably don't meet the demand to yeah. go with it. Well, there you go. It's been a fiery session today, boys. It it's has. been good. Nico's good. getting hot and so are you, mate. So I am, you. I am. I just don't yeah, I just I'm, I'm against you know, there's people thinking that, you know, footy players aren't humans. I'm not allowed to uh Yeah, we're just against humans up. bashing other humans. For. That's, that's what, what that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. We discuss, yeah. I, I you should always back up your partner, always. And uh, these things happen. Violence back up your mates as well. Answer. Violence is definitely not the answer. Don't do it, guys. Don't do it. Hashtag the gym session, let us know what you think. And if uh if you're Griff Gordon and footy players should just stay home every day, go home and have a little cup of tea and until the footy. He's always got, likes getting the last say, doesn't he? Footy players have enough income to throw their own oh, private don't, booths and don't you, don't and uh, have their own parties if they don't want to. Don't you dare! VIPs for a reason. Go to the top of the club. There you go. Hashtag the gym session. Please get involved in the show. Thank you for listening, guys. Much appreciated, and uh, a big thank you to Daniel Garb as well for coming on and chatting to us. He is an absolute legend. Next week we've got Sandy Roberts on the show, so looking forward to that one. All right, guys. Uh, unless you go for GWS, hope your team wins on the weekend. See ya.